Hello, podcasting world, and welcome back to the Core Console RX podcast. My name is Mike Corvino. With me, as always, Cole Swanson. And today we are joined by my new buddy, Alfredo, coming from a, all the way from out in California. Alfredo, what's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Glad to be here. Good, good. Glad to have you here. Thanks for doing this. So uh, I, I saw Appreciate Alfredo it. on Instagram, actually, and I was looking through his profile and uh, he followed one of us followed the other one and vice versa. And uh, I was looking at his profile, saw that he was a uh, RN, but also saw that he was in the military and uh, saw him in a flight suit and an awesome looking helmet. And I quickly realized his job is much, much cooler than mine. And so I uh, wanted to have him on the show to kind of discuss what he does and uh, get some insight into that. The life of a what's the what's the correct term of it? If it's not a flight nurse is it like it's uh basically yeah it's flight nurse yeah flight nurse nurse. cool so how did you get started in that so um my career as a flight nurse was basically like cumulative of a few years of experience so uh even before i was able to apply uh, i had to get three years of uh, icu and er experience uh to be considered on top of that I had to get um, like a national certification, either like a CCRN or a CEN, any kind of uh, specialty certification. Uh, and once you get that, then they'll consider you for uh, flight. Uh, so I had a colleague of mine that went from ICU to um, Skylife here in Fresno facility. I went ahead and, you know, uh, contacted the uh, manager and uh, he went ahead and gave me a shot, you know, so it, it was, it was great. But even prior to that, I had a friend of mine in the ER mention it to me when I was a brand new nurse. And, and but at that time I wasn't qualified uh, with my training and one of my certifications. So I had to wait until I got all those things under my belt and then I was able to apply. Awesome. That's cool, man. So, um, what, uh, what's, what's your path now? Are you still doing the nursing thing? Uh, where, where, do you, where do you go from here? So um, right now I'm currently in National University's anesthesia program. Uh, it's a master's program. And uh, once I complete it, I'll, I'll have a, uh, uh, a degree, master's degree in anesthesia, nursing anesthesia. So that will be two years. Unfortunately, I can't work during that program because it's so demanding right. uh, as much as I'd love to uh, I can't do it. So right now I'm currently just uh, in a per diem position at Skylife. Uh, so if I decide once I'm done with anesthesia, if I want to pick up a little there or pick up as many hours as I want, I can do that and also do anesthesia. So it's it's really flexible as far as what I can do there. Right. So how long did you actually do the flight nursing? I did it for about a year. Okay. For about a year. Awesome. Yeah. Was it pretty intense? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my very first scene call was crazy man um so you know it's like about eight o'clock in the evening and we get toned out for a traffic accident at five points and um we're told that it's a uh, newborn trauma Hmm. so you know we suit up and you know pediatrics and things are not something i'm super comfortable with but you know uh, i said well we gotta we gotta go you know and uh, we load up and we get to the scene, man, and it's just uh, a pretty uh, graphic scene. You know, mm. you have a patient who 
traumatically delivered through the abdomen. We have a baby at the floorboard of the car. And oh then, my gosh. Uh, both uh, patients, you know, there was a couple 1144s uh, in the in the whole scene. And then the, what made it a little more complicated was that we had to pick up another patient and take them both in the small helicopter to uh, RMC. So it was... It was pretty intense, you know, it, it, lots of adrenaline and, yeah, and, uh, but we did what we could for him and we looked back at the call and, uh, you know, we, we did what we had to do. That was so your was first pretty, one? That was my first one. I was, uh, orienting and that was my very first scene call and it was pretty traumatic. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's you, yeah. a nurse, who else is kind of on the team with you in that situation? So in that situation, so the, the usual care team involved, like in the, uh, you know, in a team is you're, you have the flight nurse, you have the flight paramedic, and then you have the pilot. So it's just you three uh, coordinating the whole show, you know. And, right. Uh, usually the flight nurse is the primary, you know, caregiver, and then the right. paramedic is secondary. But I'll tell you, you know, some of these paramedics that I work with, they're they're sharp. Man. Yeah. They, they know a lot, and it's uh, a great resource for, you know, new younger nurses coming in that still need a lot of growth, you know, to, to go. So, yeah. Is the pilot trained medically in any way or is that just flying the copter? Absolutely not. They're just completely, you know, uh, focused on, on flying the helicopter and that's it. Right. You know? Right. So can any paramedic get certified and do that or kind of how does that work as far as they go? So the paramedics usually, uh, every program is a little different to some degree, but the paramedics here, they have to have been a paramedic for about three years. Okay. And then they have to go and take their flight paramedic test and pass that to be considered for a position. Right. Man, that is uh, pretty fascinating. Um, yeah. Would you go back and do it again if you could? Or would you have gone a different route? Oh, I, yeah. No, I I loved it. I loved it. It was you know, because you don't know what you're going to see on any given shift. You know, every shift is completely different. You'll get, you know, one shift, you can get a bunch of pediatric calls. One shift, you'll get a bunch of OB calls and then everything in between. So it's just the, the, the you know, variability is amazing. And, and we get to go all different places, you know, yeah. uh, on a given shift, you can go up to the bay, drop off a patient, go to L.A., we go up to the mountains up in Yosemite, respond to scene calls up there. Wow. Um, we go pretty much anywhere. Uh, I've done a scene call out in Tonopah, Nevada, you know, for an amputation. So, I, I mean, I've, it's just, it's cool, the, the, you know, all the different things we can do. Yeah. And do you take them to whatever the closest hospital is, or are you always going back to your home base and bringing them there? Yeah. Yeah. Our, our uh, main focus is always getting the patient to the closest appropriate facility. Right. So that you know if we're out in nevada in that situation we took that patient to umc in las vegas gotcha yeah. awesome so backing up a little bit to um nursing school did you always know that you wanted to do something post rn or were you just focusing on the rn at that point and then throughout the few years getting certified in other things working in various areas did you say okay i want to consider something else well, uh, originally I worked at a little hospital and, uh, one of my close friends now at that time had just been accepted to a anesthesia program out in Buffalo, New okay. York. 
and uh, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, my other friend got into Buffalo, but uh, you know, I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, I want to do anesthesia. And he showed me the email and he kind of helped me set up a plan and kind of, uh, you know, put in place a path to where getting closer and getting to anesthesia as fast as possible. So we, you know, we've been taught, we talked and then we've been talking in the whole process and um, I made it a pretty important deal to get into ICU right out of, uh, you know, nursing school. I got right. into ER. So my first year was kind of rough. The learning curve was rough. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, I did two years full time of both. So I was working six, 12 hour shifts a week Jeez. Uh, for two years. And then the good thing about that, though, is it opened up a lot of other opportunities. Like, for example, from there, I was able to go to the level one trauma facility here in Fresno. And then shortly after that, I was able to do flights. So I've only been a nurse for about three and a half years. Um, but being able to work with some of these really seasoned nurses has really helped me out because, uh, you know, I like to learn and, and uh, I think it's a never, never ending journey to learn in this field, you know, so yeah. I'm very happy to be here. For sure. Yeah. And does CRNA, do they have a certain amount um, of experience that you have to get before applying? Because people don't generally apply right out of school for that, right? Yeah, that is correct. Um, usually from what I've seen in researching all the programs, most of them, the bare minimum they would like to see their applicants have is one year of critical care experience. But usually gotcha. the recommended is three to five. Wow. And that's critical care specifically, not just three to five years of, you know, whatever floor, whatever yeah. general nursing. Exactly. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Usually they like, you know, uh, CVICU. They like these big facility ICUs. Right. More sick patients. Right. Awesome. That's cool, man. That's cool, man. And I like what you said about, you know, you were working 12, six hour shifts. Like that's brutal, but you knew what you wanted and you went after it and freaking worked hard. Like I, I, I'm a huge fan of that because I hear so many people talk about wanting to do this, wanting to do that, but they're not willing to put in that extra work, that hard work to, to get through that crappy time to get to where they want to be. Yeah, man. And that's, that's huge, man. Yeah. I think so many students need to hear that and see, cause I mean, you're a young dude and, and to be able to, have your head on straight and think like, okay, well it sucks now, but later it won't, I think is uh, a exactly. quality that most people do not possess. And um, it's super, super important. So that's, that's cool to hear. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's just, if you want something, you got to go for it and give it everything. The faster you, the faster and the harder you work for it, you know, the faster it'll come to you. Like, uh, you know, I, I could have taken an extra year off or just, you know, taken a little bit slower, but I was on a mission, man. I'm like, I want to get into anesthesia school as fast as possible. And, you know, like I said, man, it, it wasn't easy at all. Like having just one day off a week for two years, you know, and, and I was beat, man. I was, I was tired, but, uh, you know, when you're ambitious and you want to learn and you want to go someplace, just, just suck it up, man. You got to suck it up and do what you got to do. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I'm, this is, you know, super off topic from anything medical, but I'm fascinated by this. So, what do you think? Because I feel like I'm the same way. I'm driven. I think Cole's the same way. You know, I, I know what I want, and I'll work as hard as I can to get it. So, what, for you personally, like, what do you think? You know, like, what was that? And you know, bringing up as a child. I mean, were your parents just like spot on with how they raised you? I mean, were you just around people that were really motivational for you? Like, what was your thing to to instill that in you? Since it's such a rare trait, how uh, how do you think yeah. you kind of you just born that way? Or what do you? What's your thoughts? 
Uh, I, I honestly, well, I come from a, a migrant family. You know, both my parents came out here, you know, with nothing. And uh, they made something of themselves. You know, they, they were able, we were never rich. We were never, you know, uh, flashy, nothing like that. We always had enough to be happy, you know. And my parents always did their best. They always worked very hard. But then, you know, my dad passed away a few years, like right before I started nursing school. And, you know, I told myself that, I was going to be everything that I could be, you know, and, and I wasn't going to waste any time just kind of drifting in life. You know, I, I wanted to set up a plan, a very specific focus plan to get where I needed to get. And, you know, and, and even when I become a CRNA, that's not the end of the journey. You know, there's still a lot of other things I want to do. You know, I want to give back to people, you know, donate and just help other people come up. You know, it's I, I think that Nowadays, man, a lot of people are just very hateful towards each other and, and we don't come together to help each other out. You know, I think we need to pull each other together. That's why I like social media, because I feel like sometimes I'll post something and then, you know, a nurse from like the other side of the country will message me like, hey, man, how did you do this or how did you do that? What do you think? You know, am I doing this? And, you know, we get to network, you know, and, and it's amazing. Yeah? And it's amazing because we're all in the same, you know, fight for what we want to do, you know, so it's cool doing that. But I, I just, I just think, man, if you are willing to be disciplined and consistent, you know, failure always happens. That's, that's part of life, you know, but if you can say like, all right, well, you know, I failed at this, but I'm going to, you know, continue my journey towards, towards my goal and anything's possible. man. But I, I think my biggest thing too in having this attitude is I, I study best practices. Like, you know, if I want to be a rich person, I study rich people. If I want to be a bodybuilder, I study bodybuilders. You know, what do they do, uh, you know, that I could learn from to become some someone like them? And so I, I read a lot. I listen to motivational speakers. I just – anything I can learn to help my life out from from any perspective, that's what I do. I just, I just learn from other people. Heck, yeah, that's cool, awesome. Man. Yeah, and I like what you said about social media because it really does a great job of connecting people and we're trying to use it yeah. to connect a lot of different types of healthcare professionals. And we love having nurses follow us because um, I feel like they they interact a little bit more than um, maybe some others, which is really good, commenting and giving good recommendations on things, nurses and nursing students. Um, and we actually have a lot that, that follow. My sister is one and she's actually graduating from nursing school in about a month. So. Going back oh, to you in nursing school, um, there's a lot of options for nurses, postgraduate, post-RN. Um, so what, what steered you towards CRNA? And I'm aware of nurse practitioner, and, um, but what, what other options are there and why would you choose one or the other if you're talking to a nursing student? So if I'm talking to a nursing student, you know, first and foremost, there's a lot of uh, avenues you can take towards different paths, like you can do FMP, you can do midwife, you can do anesthesia. Um, anesthesia for me, I, I, I just like how competitive it is, how you know demanding the program itself is and how in depth they get. Uh, you know, like my one of my instructors was telling us is, you know, you're gonna be a, a specialist in anesthesia, that's gonna be like your thing, you know? And I wanna be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm excellent in anesthesia i'm a good provider you know but it really comes down to what interests you most uh, you know i i like you know anesthetics i like how they work 
you know, I like trying to understand how they affect the physiology and the body and things like that. And, you know, we, we get to do a lot of cool things with the airways. We get to intubate central lines, you know, a lines. There's a lot of hands on with it too, but you know, not that infant, you know, nurse practitioners can't do that. They can, they can do it as well, but that's just the route I took, but it's just what you're passionate about. You know, if you want to be a emergency nurse practitioner, if you want to be a geriatric pediatric, it's just what, what motivates you and what, what interests you most. I, I, I think, you know, is, is the route you should take. Yeah, for sure. So what are your thoughts? You, you were talking about like wanting to help and, um, you know, people getting along and all that, and which is awesome. Um, what do you think about it in the, in the medical field? So, you know, one of the things I've noticed, you know, when I was in school is, you know, I went to a school that was very pro, um, interprofessionalism. So like they made us do projects mm-hmm. with the nursing students, even though we were the, in the PharmD program, yeah. they made us work with some of the medical students, um, to get us used to working with people in different specialties and, um, yeah. you know, versus some places I see it's very clicky, you know, pharmacists hang out with pharmacists, nurses yeah. hang out with nurses. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I'll, me personally, I'm a huge fan of interprofessionalism and promoting that. Um, what's your yeah. thoughts and like, what's been your experiences working with other healthcare professionals? I, I think it's, it's always a collaborative effort, man. Um, you know, you're always not going to have the same ideas or the same, you're not going to agree on the same things as other people. That's just natural in our workplace. But I think, you know, communication is very important. You know, if there's something that, you know, the patient needs and you are concerned about it, bring it up to the doctor and maybe they don't want to do anything. It's about communication, talking to other people. Hey, what do you think about this? You know, but I think that when you get to your workplace, you got to leave all the stuff out the door, man. And you're there to be there for the patient and you're working as a team you know it's not it's not a solo effort you know you gotta remember that you're not the only one there and there's resources you know if i if i need help with my ventilator okay i'm gonna call the respiratory therapist hey man this is what i think what, what do you think you know or hey you know i need to start feeding my patient they haven't been fed for x amount of days all right you know i'm gonna contact the dietitian hey you know can you help me get my patient on on you know the regimen or, or and anything and everything in between it's just about coming together as a team man. and professionalism that's absolutely true man like you were talking about you know not not gossiping on the floor you know it, it happens you know it's part of our workplace you know people tend to talk about other people talk about things that are not pertinent to what we're you know handling at work and you know professionalism is absolutely crucial man because you don't know like when someone's going to overhear you say something or, you know, you make a joke and it's offensive, whatever, it's just being, being a professional. We are professionals, uh, from, from any, uh, you know, perspective, we have to remember to, you know, be professionals. Definitely. Yeah. And I like what you said too, about, you know, if you needed help with, you know, with one of the vents or something, you go and talk to the respiratory therapist. You know, I feel like there's this not stigma, but there's this thought of like, oh, well, this person didn't go to school as long as me, or I'm more specialized in this. And like every one of us has our our specialties. And and I see PharmD students doing it too. It's like, you know, you'll hear them saying, oh, that guy, you know, that's the med that they're going to use. That guy must be stupid. I'm like, really? You know, stupid? Or is it just maybe that, you know, they just weren't familiar with that particular part of pharmacotherapy. And, you know, that's one of the things I always encourage, like students that I work with is it's like, you know, everyone has their specialty, everyone has their role. 
and you need to respect the other roles because you know nobody wants me putting them on a vent. But I don't, that's the last. I'm the last person on earth. They, yeah. they they'd be better off getting the janitor. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. you know it's like everyone has their position. Everyone has their specialty and their skill set and like respecting the other skill sets for what that is and like taking the ego out of it. There's so much ego in freaking oh, yeah. healthcare. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but it's true, man. It's it's you know it's and it's not about that. You know, like I said, uh, when you you know when I come to work, I just check myself. Like, look, man, you know you're here to you know be a resource to your patient, and it's a collaborative effort, man. You know, you know I don't think I'm better than any other nurse. You know, I, I feel like I'm there to learn too, man. If you know if someone teaches me something or I'm wrong, cool, man. I I learn the right way, and then I bring it to the table the next time. You know. Uh, you just got to be humble about it. You know, you're there to learn and, and, you know, it's a lifelong learning process, man. So we're never going to be completely masters at everything. We're just, you know, get, trying to get better every day. At least that's my model. You know, I try to get better every day, learn something new every day and awesome. just be more of a resource to my patient, man. You know? Heck yeah. Every single post that I put on Instagram always has hashtag learn every day. Cause I feel like if you're, if yeah, you didn't yeah. learn something new that day, then like as a healthcare professional, then, then you didn't do something right. I think every single right. day you can find, you can spend five minutes learning something you weren't familiar with. I think that's yeah, huge. Man. When you're a healthcare yeah. professional, I think you sign up ahead of time. You know, you're going to make good money. You're going to have, you know, this, that, and the other, but you also signed up to be a student the rest of your life too. So. Yeah, man. And I think another thing that's pretty important, you know, when we're talking about this, is just going out and learning on your own, you know, like Heck yeah. that's another thing that's, that's just so important for me. Like, you know, I, I like to read like nursing books or pathophys books, anything that'll help me become a better provider because I'm not the smartest, you know, cat, you know, compared to other people. So I just have to constantly, you know, renew my knowledge to reinforce what I already know and then just to learn what new things are coming out. Because I feel like, you know, healthcare and medicine is just constantly evolving, man, at such a, ra- a rapid rate that I feel like I can't even catch up. So, I think just taking the time to read, you know, in, in my specialty, you know, and, and learn more is only going to be a better asset. So I, I just think, you know, if I'm talking to new students, I'm like, just always take it upon yourself to read a little bit every day, you know, learn something new. And uh, before you know it, you'll know a little bit of, about a lot, you know, a little bit of, of different things. And, and it just makes me more, more resourceful, you know. Heck yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think everybody feels that way sometimes that they're not the sharpest knife in the drawer i mean you're definitely not looking at the the two smartest pharmacists in the world but nope. we've got a podcast so. <laughs> yeah no it, it's yeah it's because we it's people ask me like why i read every day and like this thing you know, like, because i'm not the sharpest tool in the shed so i have to uh you know yeah, i have to work a lot harder than some of you some of the other people out there but no i yeah, mean I, I i think too like uh you know th- what i like is you know, you're, you're such a normal dude and like a, you know, seem like a a cool guy. And like, you don't have that, you know, that you see some people that are like, Oh, I don't want to be reading every single day. Cause then you're like, they have like this picture in their mind of like a bookworm or like some, you know, big nerd. And I'm like, you can be a normal person, be a cool person and like still enjoy learning. And, And that's, that's the huge, I mean, I'm not, that's why I don't try to change the way that I talk. You'll hear me say dude and things like that in the podcast. And I probably shouldn't for professional reasons. Some people may turn it off, but I mean, that's just how I talk. That's how I am. So 
you know, I just am a combination of, I grew up being a surfer and, you know, I was a professional MMA fighter for a little bit. And then I also happened to love pharmacotherapy. So it is what it is. Just drop that in there real smooth. Yeah. Nonchalant. No, I've said, I've said it before. I think (laughs) so. So, you know, it's just, I've, you know, I like the the different side of things. So it's, it's good. I try to push that on students. So I'm like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, reading every day or, you know, being a little bit of a nerd. You don't have to look like one to, to be a nerd. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, like Stephen Covey says, man, he's like, you know, the half-life for what you currently know is about two years. So in two years, if you don't just take it upon yourself to learn something new, you're just going to lose half of what you already know. And it's like, you know, I think it's just so important, man, to continue to, to just learn, man, you know, and, uh, you know, in another book, I, um, I read by uh, Wallace Waddles, he says, you know, the moment you stop learning and start advancing is when you start dying technically, you know? And I was like, it makes sense to me because it's like, you know, I could be a better person in this, or I can be a better person in that. Even non-medical, man, I'm talking like motivational, you know, better relationships with other people, better communication. It's just, if there's something that I'm weak on or I can get stronger in, you know, I, I just take it upon myself to read a little bit about it, you know, to see how I can make my life and my whole being better, you know, to other people, you know? Absolutely. That's huge, man. That's awesome. That's really cool cool and encouraging to hear. So good stuff, man. So what, what, uh, what would you tell somebody coming up and Cole kind of, you know, started on this path. Someone's coming up as a nursing student and, you know, you you kind of establish where they want to go with, you know, their career and stuff. What is some advice you would give them? Someone who's starting nursing school um, what's some advice you would give them like on a day-to-day basis or like if they're uh, going into their, you know, rotations or clinicals or, um, you know, whatever, uh, what's, what's some advice you would give them as far as starting out and like things to look for or keep an eye out for? Yeah, I would say, you know, um, just in, in embrace the suck, man. It's, it's gonna, there's gonna be times <laughs> where, you're gonna, where you're gonna hate it, you know, waking up at like four in the morning to be a clinical by six or by whatever, but you just got to embrace it, man. It's part of the process. It's the journey, you know, that I look back and I'm like, man, I made it through some of those things. And I'm like, it's amazing, you know? So just, I think just being disciplined and consistent, you know, not taking no for an answer, you know, um, and, and fighting for what you want. You know, if you want to be an ICU nurse, don't settle with being a message nurse. It, you know, if you want to be an ER nurse, don't settle for anything. What I'm saying is just, if you want something, go grab it, you know, and fight for it with your life because, it's, it's for you, you know, it's no one else is going to come and say, Hey man, here, you want this position in, in ICU or you want, you know, you want this scholarship or you want this or that. There's a lot of things out there that you can get, you know, uh, like for example, with me, uh, you know, when I first started school, my, like I said, my, my dad had passed away. So we were kind of, uh, in bad shape financially and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but you know, I, I fought for some scholarships and I said, all right, man, I, you know, the likelihood of getting most of these is not, not good, but I got a couple and it helped me get through. So it's just being persistent and just being hungry, man, just going out there and grabbing it, killing something and bringing it back to the cave. You know, that's just how it is. I love it, man. I love, I love the analogies too. I feel like, I feel like uh, you're the the West coast version of the stuff that I say. (laughs) That's awesome, man. I love it. No, that's, that's good stuff. So um, what are some of your go-tos as far as staying relevant um, in the medical field, in, in your field? Uh, what are some of your resources that you use to, to stay up to date on things? Uh, I like to um, use mostly a lot of books, a lot of uh, new uh, 
newer published books, new information. Because sometimes some of the older stuff is has a little bit different, you know, uh, techniques and a little bit different information as far as some of the newer things. You know, um, like I said, things are changing at such a rapid pace. Like, you know, nowadays, like for example, with trauma, you know, uh, we were told in the past to you know give them LR, give a lot of fluid, but now we're like okay, it's looking like we should transition to colloids versus crystalloids. Right. You know, in the, that's what they do a lot in the military too. That's, you know, they, they start off with colloid versus crystalloid and they've seen that that's promotes better patient outcomes. So just things like that, staying relevant, trying to keep up with the evolution of medicine and, um, you know, uh, things like that. Cool. So, so you have a pretty, pretty big following on Instagram. You got like what, 13,000 people following you, which is awesome. Um, what do you think social media or do you think social media has a place in continuing education, especially going forward in the future? I think it does. I I think it really does. You know, uh, there's a lot of individuals that like to post relevant information as far as practice, you know, practice and things like that, evidence-based practice. So I think social media, you know, sometimes I'll learn a lot from just looking at people's profiles, you know, they'll, they'll like, uh, you know, post something about like open heart surgery, you know, medications and things like that. And, you know, I think social media has a huge influence on, you know, staying relevant in, in practice and in medicine and things like that. Yeah, I do. Cole, what do you think? Sure. Uh, we're, we're doing what we're doing, aren't we? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, we're, uh, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for social media, and I, I think uh, Cole's starting to go down that route as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, it's just one of those things that you have, you know, if you use it the right way, and you have these people on there that are people you would never meet in another setting because they're across the country, like yeah. in this in this particular yeah. case. And, uh, you know, I, I watched a, an eye sur- and an ophthalmologist do some kind of an eye surgery the other day on his Instagram story. Like, I was like, that, this is crazy. Like, this would never happen. Yeah, to, like, that's nuts. <laughs> and uh, yeah. there's just so much out there now and, and people using it the right way. And, you know, not that there's anything wrong with taking pictures of your food, but, you know, it's just <laughs> there's one of those things that you can you can learn a ton. And I think that people who kind of shun social media is if, you know, don't be on that because it's not professional. It's not this, that and the other. Like, it's just, it's a mistake, especially going forward. Like, it's not going anywhere. It's going to get more involved in our lives. Oh, yeah. I think I, uh, I think it's definitely going to be the platform to to learn on here in the next five years or so. I Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. It's, it's just such a big part of our lives, like you said, man, that, you know, uh, most of what we're going to be using is social media for, for future reference, you know, and, and it's just amazing how, how you can, like I said, you can – use social media to teach someone, you know, who's all the way across the country or talk to them. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. So what about, um, what about Alexa? Amazon's Alexa. Have you messed with that at all? I haven't, to be honest with you. I'm not very, um, uh, you know, I'm not very involved with the whole Alexa thing right now, (laughs) but like I said, that those are all things that are just getting so advanced and I got to take the time to learn a little bit about it. Because uh, I know a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I have a um, a flash briefing on Alexa, so like it'll update you uh, if you say what's in the news and you subscribe to it. It'll tell you it's my my voice will come on and it'll talk about uh, the new drug or a new study or something like that. But it's been that's been pretty cool yeah. too. And I feel like it's something that nobody's really on right now, and so it's kind of like you know the the land grab. And so 
I oh, think yeah. I think five years from now it's going to be pretty huge. Probably less. No, probably won't take five years. Probably take two years. But where everybody's yeah. everybody's on it, and then everyone's going to be like, "Oh, we should start using this for education." <laughs> so I'm trying to establish it now. Yeah, that's, that's that's so true, man. It, it, you know, because I think nowadays, man, it's just the essence of time. You know, we're we're just living faster than we've ever lived before. You know, now time is just such a you know, we just don't have enough of it. You know, and it's like. Anything that'll help us do things faster, you know, like you said, that whole Alexa thing will talk to you and like you just ask it for whatever you're looking for and it just helps you, you know, have to waste less time. It's amazing. Yep. You know, I had like kind of like an epiphany the other day too because I was trying to think of like time in the sense of like I get it, like it's faster to use your voice to like, you know, call your Uber or something like that. But, you know, I was thinking about it and I was like playing through some uh, this trivia game on my on my phone to get ready for the uh, certified diabetes educator exam, just practicing questions on there. I was like, man, this would be awesome if my Alexa would just like read off the questions to me that I can answer with my voice so I can multitask while I'm doing this. I was like, oh yeah, that's another just a perfect example of when I would use an Alexa for something and voice. That's that's a a very valid uh, reason to use that, man. That'd be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, I would like to use something like that just to, you know, ask questions maybe right now for tests, you know, that I'm having coming up, that'd be pretty cool, you know? So it's, it's amazing that, that those things are going to be probably happening soon. Like you said, yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah. There's people yeah, working on maybe me. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't steal that idea. Yeah. No, that's why I like to put it out there. Cause I don't, you know, it's one of those things you're, you're the kind of person that I think would jump on it and, uh, and jump on Alexa and actually do the work, but 99% of people won't. So I just tell everybody what I'm doing and how, how I'm doing it because I don't think that they're actually going to do it anyway. So. And if they are, that's awesome. It means yeah. they're a uh, A player and I'm happy to help them. So. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Yeah. All right. So what, Um, anything, uh, we're going to run over some new drugs because we didn't have, we don't have a patient case today, uh, but we are going to go over some new kind of random drugs that were approved in the next, or the last, what, Four month, weeks, yeah, yeah month ish. Um, so some of these run into the end of February. Um, is there anything you want to add on before we jump into this kind of next section and start going over some drugs real quick? No, let's do it, man. All cool. right, cool. And then, yeah, throw if you, by all means, throw in your you know two cents about these two. So don't let us steal the show on this one. <laughs> um, oh no, man, you guys are the experts. You know, I'm uh, learning from you guys in this aspect today. <laughs> in, there you go. In, in theory, I guess <laughs> <laughs> we're the experts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, you want to talk about the um, the big one first, Big uh, Tarvi? Yeah, so we could, yeah, yeah. You want to start off with that one? Okay, sure. Um, so this was approved more like late February, and um, you can jump in on this one too okay. because I think you have a, a buddy who is kind of involved in this. But um, Big Tarvi is a new drug approved for the treatment of HIV. Um, it's a combo like most of the HIV drugs with Bictegravir, Emtricitabine, and tenofovir alafenamide. Um, it's essentially um, adding on the bictegravir component, which is an integrase inhibitor, onto Discovi, which was just the emtricitabine and tenofovir alafenamide. It's from Gilead. Um, they've been kind of on the forefront of a couple new HIV drugs in the past. Um, the FDA looked at three studies. Um, to get it approved and they were all pretty promising. So, um, this is one cause you know, HIV drugs, it's pretty important whether you take them with food or not. This is one where you can take with or without food, um, which is pretty cool. I think so. I think, um, in the future, this will 
be part of uh, regular HIV treatment for now? You know, is it expensive? Is it covered? Um, hard to say, but it's yeah. an interesting one. So the, one of the reasons they were so excited about Bictegravir was uh, it's the first non-boosted um, integrase inhibitor that uh, has been in cooperation with um, the Discovy, the tenofovir alafenamide. Uh, intracytabine. And so the other one, Genvoya, uh, was L-Vitegravir, but, but it was given with Cabigastat. So it's a it was a boosted integrase strain inhibitor. And so there's more drug-drug interactions, things we had to worry about, whereas this one is non-boosted. It's just the integrase strain inhibitor by itself. Yep. Um, you know, the, the only other combination that had two nukes on, in with a integrase strain inhibitor was the um, Triumec that had uh, Abacavir, um, and then dalutegravir was the integrase strain inhibitor. But then with, because it has a bacavir in it, you have to worry about the hypersensitivity reaction possibility. So you have to do genetic testing and um, worry about that. So um, it's definitely something that people are, are very excited about. And the results look very, very good as far as suppressing viral load and um, raising CD4 counts. Yeah, and it does have a black box warning for severe acute exacerbations of hep B infection. So something to be aware of. Um, I don't, have we talked about TAF versus, versus, um, no, I don't think so. You did a post on it, but not on the podcast, I don't think. Okay. So just in case, uh, someone is talking, hearing tenofovir alafenamide, not knowing what that is. So the tenofovir is the active drug that we're using. It's the active nuke. Um, the old version of tenofovir, um, disoprosyl fumarate was, it's a drug that's been used for years now. It's very, very effective. But the problem is the longer you use it, you get more bone mineral density loss. You get more um, renal toxicity over time. And so it's now that these HIV patients are living basically full lives, um, we want to limit, obviously, what they're experiencing in regards to toxicities. And so the reason why it was getting this buildup in um, the kidneys and causing issues is because tenofovir was given as a prodrug because it can't, it won't go, uh, it won't be absorbed as in its active state. And so the old formulation was uh, very quickly metabolized, and most of it actually stayed in the plasma before um, it ever entered the target cell. And so it would be excreted in the kidneys, and it would cause damage and things like that. So um, this new version, tenofovir alafenamide, um, has a much slower metabolism. And so more of the active drug actually gets to the site of action. And so you have less uh, free concentration of tenofovir in the plasma. And so it's able to uh, do its thing in the target site where it's actually supposed to be. And so we see significantly less. Um, basically, it is, right now we, have, we don't really have data that shows um, any kind of renal toxicity or bone mineral density loss. And they've, I think we have the data up to 144 weeks now so it's it's a it's a big deal, and um, since about 2015, they've been uh, actively switching the formulations over to uh, TAF is the nickname for tenofovir alafenamide. They've been switching those over to um, from the old formulation of tenofovir to this one um, to protect those patients, especially the younger ones that are healthy. We want to limit how much uh, how many problems they're coming into contact with as they get older. Yeah, cool. It's really amazing that um, like. 20, 30 years ago, it was almost a death sentence. And now, mm-hmm. I mean, with these new medications, it's it's pretty incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, there's also a uh, monoclonal antibody that was approved this month for HIV as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the first of its kind. And it's definitely a uh, very novel 
um, mechanism. And this is they've been talking about using monoclonal antibodies for a while. They finally got one approved, and it actually showed to be effective in multi-drug resistant uh, virus strains. And so these patients who normally would have to switch out their oral meds because they're resistant to you know tenofovir or whatever ended up being, um, they can use this new monoclonal antibody and hopefully still get viral uh, load suppression and increase their CD4 counts. And that's Trogarzo, right? Yes. The, so that's that's uh, a huge one. Generic, we'll go with Ibolizumab. Yes. That's the best we can do, that's dash the, U-I-Y-K. Yeah. <laughs> best I can do. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Somebody yeah. from, uh, what is it, Taimed, Talmed, whoever owns those uh, can correct us. But, um, yeah, that's a new monoclonal antibody and definitely a very cool one. Um, the other HIV meds, a lot of HIV stuff this month, um, Simduo was the uh, lamuvidine and then tenofovir uh, disaproxyl fumarate. So it was the old formulation of tenofovir. And it's supposed to be used in combination uh, with another agent. So it's not, it's not approved to be used by itself. Um, and I don't know if that's what they're going for with it, but I guess this is okay for a patient who doesn't have... Um, it doesn't have uh, or can't take emtricitabine, but typically the uh, tenofovir uh, used with emtricitabine is the one that everyone uses. However, they had to use the old formulation of tenofovir because that's the one that went off patent. They can't use the new formulation. So I can't think of too many reasons why they would use this. Um, maybe uh, they're going to start trying to use it in prep uh, for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Right. Um, and high-risk patients, that might be the thought process. Um, but I haven't seen too much data on it yet, but I was, um, wasn't as nearly as excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of good HIV stuff. Um, another new one that came out in February was um, Erlita, maybe, apalutamide. Um, it's an androgen receptor inhibitor used for the treatment of prostate cancer. I'm definitely no expert in prostate cancer, so I'm not exactly sure where it would fit into therapy. Um, but it binds directly to the ligand binding domain of the androgen receptor. Um, it essentially messes up the DNA and um, kind of suppresses that and hopefully um, helps induce remission of prostate cancer. And the trial that um, got that approved was called the Spartan trial. Nice. I like that. Yeah. The Spartan, Spartan trial. trial. So um, the other one that I thought was really cool, um, Elimia was Tildrakizumab injection. Nice. Um, and that was for plaque psoriasis. Uh, so this one was, was studied, and, um, and they actually compared it in the um, Resolve trial, compared it to Embrel, and uh, seemed to have superiority. Um, I haven't gone through this, the study yet with a fine-tooth comb or anything like that. It was approved on March 20th. But um, this is definitely one that... Uh, it seems to be pretty cool, and the uh, mechanism is a little bit different than some of our other ones. So this is actually targeting um, TH17, so T helper 17 cells, and that is a a uh, mediator, if you will, for activating um, eventually TNF alpha. Um, so it's kind of moving up the chain of inflammation and um, a little bit farther for, versus our TNF alpha inhibitors. Um, the one issue that even the authors recommended or discussed rather is that, uh, the Embril was one of the main, um, medications that they were using at the time when they started the study. Um, but now that we have a little bit better, uh, you know, TNF alpha inhibitors, as well as the, uh, is it 17A, um, 
interleukin inhibitors, the like so cosentics and um, TALTs. I probably just butchered the class, but um, <laughs> the uh, they they have maybe would have gotten better results if we had, or maybe not have gotten as good a results if we compared to one of those. Um, as opposed to being superior to Embril, but definitely a uh, novel agent. And there's a, another one that they're working on getting approved from a different company um, that works in the same pathway. So adding another uh, another weapon to combat plaque psoriasis. Cool. And um, another new drug, novel medication that was approved for the treatment of a, another pretty bad disease, cystic fibrosis, was Simdeco. It's a combination of Tizacaftor and Ivacaftor. Um, basic mechanism is that they act on the CFTR, um, the cystic fibrosis transmembrane conduct- conductance regulator, which um, mutations in that gene are uh, a big or take a big responsibility in causing cystic fibrosis. Um, and in three trials, the endpoint was um, essentially improvement in lung function, so an improved FEV1, and um, it did show that in its phase three clinical trials. So uh, seems promising for something where there's definitely limited treatment long-term. Yep, yep. Um, one other one that I saw that we can mention, or unless, Cole, you feel free to keep going if you have more. Um, a pa- uh, apodaz is acetaminophen and Ben's hydrocodone, um, which is a, a prodrug for hydrocodone. And so they're, I don't think that they've actually been able to prove that it is a um, deterrent as far as abuse, but it is a pro drug. And so you can't inject it, I guess, is their thought process. Hmm. Um, cause it has to go through hepatic metabolism in order to, uh, become activated. And so that was, that was approved at the end of February. Um, with that being probably very expensive, I haven't seen the price on it. I can't imagine it's going to be used too often, but it is on the market. So if you happen to see it, uh, now you know what it is and why it's different. But I suppose orally it could still be abused, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. So yeah. I don't really know. I guess it goes cut back on IV use, but if you take yeah. take a bunch of them, it's still going to be the same. Yeah, I like to look a little further into that. Maybe there's like a decreased high. I don't know. That, I'm pretty. Who knows? I'm pretty sure they actually said something. I read uh, said that it's not a true abuse deterrent. They can't prove that it actually cuts down on abuse. So gotcha. Um, unfortunately, uh, I don't think that will. But yeah, it's a good thought. Yeah, sure. Cool. cool. So, um, any other drugs you want to no, talk about? No, that's all the uh, the big ones, I think. So, yeah. We should really uh, rehearse this before, too, <laughs> so we can actually like, pronounce the names and stuff, too, <laughs> instead of just ad-libbing. It's, uh, it, it, it builds character. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, there's going to be somebody listening to these going, that's not how you pronounce that stupid. Email us. Tell us. We'll, we'll correct it. Right? Yeah. Or we'll just say, nah, that's we'll, how we correct yeah, it. That's we'll, how we pronounce we'll cor- it. We'll correct it next time. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right, man. Um, Alfredo, anything else uh, you want to go over, man, before we go? Anything you want to add? Any, any cool new stuff in the nursing world that we need to know about? No, man. I think, uh, you know, uh, that's that's it. I think, man, uh, you know, I, I'm glad to be on this show with you guys. And, uh, you know, if anyone, you know, has any questions or I can help in any way, you know, feel free to contact me or, um, you know, whatever, man. I'm, I'm here to help. Sounds good. So um, I'm gonna put your Instagram handle in the in the video, and then I'll put it on the in the comments for the other websites if that's cool with you. And then um, yeah, uh, have people send you a direct message on there if uh, if um, you know they have any questions or anything. Um, anywhere else besides Instagram that people should look for you? 
Or is Instagram your no, big that's one? Mostly, yeah, that's my big one there. Uh, that's where I'm 95% of the time. So uh, I like to keep it to just one for now. With school going on and stuff, I'll focus on Instagram for now. I hear you. Sure. Well, you're doing a heck of a job on there, man. Like I said, that's a lot of people uh, following you and checking out what you're doing. So very cool. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And so uh, next time you get like a really cool patient case or, you know, something like that, let me know so we can have you on. We can do a critical care uh, nursing case. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. I'll, I'll uh, keep an eye out for, for some of those. Or if you guys have uh, anything that I can help out with, absolutely. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. Um, and then uh, we'll be in touch. Appreciate everything you're doing. Yeah, man. Hey, likewise. Thanks uh, for having me on here. I appreciate it, guys. You guys have Absolutely. a great Sunday. Well, yeah, you yeah. too, man. Take it easy.